Hey, we're at Memorial Day weekend, as you know, and um, I've talked to some folks that are visiting family from out of town. They're here today, and we sure appreciate you taking that trip and coming out to the Life Church gathering this morning. And above all, we hope you sense God's great love and His presence. Man, it's um, it's an incredible thing, the God of the universe. When we invite Him to become our spiritual leader, he moves in and uh, makes himself at home in our lives. And that's a tremendous opportunity for you and I to model the great character of Jesus Christ. So anyway, I want to just give a shout out for those who have served our country in the military. And we do have Veterans Day in November, but uh, Memorial Day in May, it's a time to remember those who paid the full sacrifice of putting their, their lives on the line. Um, just over a week ago, I watched the movie Gettysburg with my grandson, and uh, that's almost a four-hour movie. Uh, it chronicles the three-day battle at Gettysburg in Pennsylvania when the, our country was divided and we were fighting amongst ourselves, 51,000 soldiers were, from both armies were killed, wounded, or captured. It's the highest fatality rate ever in our, in our history. And um, you can take a look at the cemetery, the Normandy Cemetery, where we as a country have liberated continents and countries uh, those that have been oppressed through communism, socialism, dictators, etc., um, uh, we're grateful for, uh, for for the men and women that have paid the ultimate price. I think about when I was growing up. There was a dude named George Myers. He was mm, three years older than I was. He um, got drafted to Vietnam. And uh, he was a medic, and he was killed in combat, trying to save lives in the process. Also, when I was a boy, my dad and mom would take me to uh, an elderly couple who attended our church, and uh, they had a son named Paul who was killed in combat in World War II. And I always remember his photograph was in the living room on the coffee table. And my dad just felt um, he was friends with Paul. And um, just to be able to go visit that family, encourage them, even over the years. Um, so we're grateful again, you know, for, for those who paid that price. Debbie and I watched The Hiding Place a couple weeks ago. We didn't watch the whole thing. But uh, probably the first half when the Ten Booms were hiding Jews in their home in Amsterdam in the Netherlands and somebody tipped off the SS and um, they were arrested, put in concentration camps. Corey survived. And she went to travel really the world talking about the grace of God, where God is even alive in a concentration camp. You might be here this morning and Maybe you're going through a battle in your life and it feels like maybe God is not alive. He's non-existent. He's abandoned you. 
wherever you draw the line. But you need to stop and think, friends, that we live in a broken world. Bad things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. But we have the hope. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, he promises to walk with us every step of the way. Heaven is that perfect place. That's our home. And we're looking forward to that place as we walk through life here. And um, so anyway, let's pray for our country. Our country needs prayer. We need prayer. And um, just a heads up, I saw this this morning over cable news that um, North Korea infant jailed for life after parents found with Bible according to a recent report in North Korea. Stop and think about it. A two-year-old, along with his entire family, were sentenced to political life imprisonment after North Korean officials found a Bible in their possession. North Korea's regime is cracking down on people who have religious beliefs. The report provided estimated figures on religious persecution, stating that approximately 70,000 Christians, as well as individuals from other faiths, are imprisoned in North Korea. World leaders said the right to freedom of thought, conscience, and religion also continues to be denied with no alternative belief system tolerated by the authorities in North Korea. Friends, think about it. Because somebody found a Bible in your home, you're sent to prison for life along with your two-year-old baby. Is that fair? We have freedom in America, at least to have Bibles in our homes. We can read them. We can carry them where we go. What a gift that is. Right? It's a gift. Let's not take it for granted. And Father, we thank you for the religious freedom we have experienced and and, uh, had the opportunity to have as a nation. And we go back to the founding of our country and the men and women that had core beliefs in Jesus Christ and the Constitution written really uh, on the basis of what they saw in the Bible. And all you have to do is walk through Washington, D.C. and see quotes from the Bible and people referencing Jesus Christ on monuments. And we, re- we see that this country, in fact, had your hand upon it at its birth. And Lord, like Israel, we have drifted from you. We have um, sensed the warning shots in the air that you're trying to get our attention, that we are living in desperate days. And this is not the time to walk through life in a passive way. But instead, we need to be intentional about our relationship with you and keep it vibrant and healthy and strong so that we can always model you well. Not to compromise, not to give in to the pressure around us. And Lord, we thank you for the men and women that laid their lives down so that we can be in church this morning and not in a concentration camp somewhere. 
So thank you. Thank you for that. We do pray. We know there's men and women here this morning that have been in, in combat and they've lost friends. They know that feeling, Lord. We just pray that you would comfort those families now. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I have my outline. Do you? Last Wednesday at family night, we, uh, we've been in a series with Louis Giglio built, and he's referencing uh, really symbolic uh, building a house uh, with the foundation, uh, f- uh, the framing, etc., and that how that compares to you and I in our relationship with Jesus Christ, that we need to build a foundation in that relationship, and, and then we need to continue building it. Um, some of you may have put your faith in Christ years ago and you've kind of been on cruise control. Um, you're coasting, you're wandering in the wilderness. And once again, I just want to encourage you to stay committed in that relationship. Debbie and I have been married a long time and I am still getting to know her. And we still hang out together. And we enjoy it. And like Paul used a husband and wife, that marriage relating to Jesus Christ being the bridegroom and he's coming for the bride. He, he, he was using marriage as a model in that relationship that we have with him. So... Let's stay active, because here it is. God is active in your life. He is. And so let's, uh, let's see what God has to say to us today. We're, we are going to the book of Daniel, and you can see by your outline, and for those of you that are here for the first time, you're fortunate because you're, you're seeing all the weeks wrapped up into one right here. Boom. From start to finish. Um, I enjoy reading the Bible. I enjoy the Bible speaking to me. It has radically changed me. And it continues to do so. For which I'm grateful. So let's read. Daniel 1, starting at verse 1. We're just going to read two verses there. During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar... The king of Babylon took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. How can that be? 
We'll talk about it. Lord, here we are again. We thank you for your word. Talk to us, speak to us, challenge us, encourage us, Lord. Those who are wandering in the wilderness, I pray that they will reignite that relationship with you this morning. Those that have purposely rejected you over and over again, I pray that their hearts will be they'll crash this morning within themselves and put their trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. DC Talk, um, The Voice of the Martyrs. There's a book, Jesus Freaks, you can see it on the screen. I've got two copies. There's an updated version. If you want to read some incredible life stories, man, that's what you want to get. You want to get that and read that to your sons and daughters. Because our culture today is pushing uh, in a very powerful way of indoctrinating your sons and daughters. And they don't care about the consequences. And so you have the responsibility to let your sons and daughters know in order to be a man or woman of God, you've got to make a decision and a choice. And there's other people in this world that are doing that well, just like Daniel did. And in that book, they tell about Camus Bowen. He spent 13 years and eight months in a prison in Laos, Southeast Asia. You can see it on the map. That's uh, Camus right there. Uh, Laos, Middle East, you know, uh, Asian country. You can see Vietnam and then China on top. Friends, a lot of stuff is going on in China right now. They are becoming very aggressive in the world. In 1965, Bowen was uh, a soldier in Laos. And that, of course, was during the Vietnam War. And years later, he was the assistant district governor for the communists, and he had the opportunity of going into villages in Laos where there were Christians. And, and many times he would hear the Christians singing worship songs, and that intrigued him. That kind of got his attention. And once, while staying with a family in a village, he heard a Christian radio program supported by the Voice of the Martyrs. And later, in 1997, he sought out the man he had heard speaking on the radio. The man who he sought was willing to meet with him, and together, the man presented the gospel of Jesus Christ to Camus. And that night, Camus put his faith in Jesus Christ and was baptized in water. Boom! He was baptized in water that night. Which leads me to this, friends. If you had put your faith in Christ, you'd never have baptized in water, get on with it. Don't say, I don't feel like it or I'll get around. No, you need to do it because that's the way the New Testament did it. You put your faith in Christ and boom, you were baptized in water. You went public with your faith. Right? Come on, man. Come on. This is not some rinky-dink operation. This is not whenever I feel like it. You know, whenever I get the gospel goosebumps, I'll do it. You can't go by your feelings. You obey God's word and be done with it. 
He was baptized. Guess what happened? Camus couldn't keep his mouth shut telling people about the good news of Jesus Christ because God had done something good in his life. And the authorities, man, those communists, they got on his case. They said, you need to shut up. Would he do it? No, he didn't. He kept telling people about Jesus. He lost his job. He was arrested on June 8th, 1999. He was sentenced to 15 years in prison. You ready for that, friend? Are you ready for that? You tell somebody about Jesus and you're going to get arrested and put in prison for 15 years. Are you ready for that? They tortured him. They put him in a black room, dark room, no light, for seven days without food. And for one year, Boomin was, Boomin was locked in a concrete cell all by himself. During that time, he begged for a Bible. Oh, if he could have a Bible. And during his second year, um, Camus was given a little more freedom. The guards trusted him. He, they could see this dude was different from everybody else. He was per- permitted to go outside to gather firewood for the prison, and over time the guards would let Bowen work for hours really unnoticed. He was on his own. And one day he saw his chance. He swam across the stream and escaped the camp. Where did he go? Did he flee the country? No, he went to his home. He got five Bibles and he swam back to the camp. Crazy. The guards never realized he was gone. (laughs) No security cameras. Not then. He hid the the four Bibles in the forest. You can see the the, the camp right here, and you can see the woods, and he, he hid four, four Bibles in the forest. And he began studying the fifth one in his prison cell every day, and he started sharing what he was learning with uh, the other prisoners whenever he could. Six months later, he escaped again. Where did he go this time? Well, he got some small radios and he came back to the camp and he started playing Christian programming with the other prisoners so they could hear about Jesus Christ. He gave those other Bibles and he gave those radios to the prisoners and uh, guess what? God's grace began to move throughout that prison camp. And one day a guard saw... Bowen reading his Bible. So he was brought in front of the prison authorities and they wanted to know what he was studying. And so Bowen opened his Bible and he started reading it out loud. (laughs) And guess what? They listened. They listened for a long time. And after reading for a while, he said, I can't finish it all in one day. But if you want to know more, I'll tell you. So the... The prison warden had been watching Bowen for quite a while, and he said, you know, your family is so strong in their faith that Christianity has spread everywhere. 
Shortly after that, Bowen was released on February 2nd, 2012, two years before his sentence was up. And during that time, Bowen, his perspective of persecution changed radically. Instead of feeling bad about it, he saw it as a good thing. This is what he said. I value my service to God more than his freedom among men. So in other words, why would he come back to the camp? Because he looked at that as a mission field. Pretty cool. And so when we, when we evaluate what God is doing, you know, where are you, God? <laughs> you, know, that's, you know, where is God? Is God up to anything? Is, you know, it just seems like our world is just cracking at the seams. What's going on? Well, I'll tell you what, God is working. He was working in Laos, and he's, he's working in your life if you let him. <laughs> the important thing is not what we're going through, but we need to start looking at it in the, in the perspective that this is temporary, and my home is heaven. And whatever I'm going through, it's not going to last forever, but what's important is telling other people about Jesus and letting them see Jesus in me. Okay? That's what's important. That's Daniel's mindset. And when we're struggling with life, you know, is it, is it possible to thrive? Listen, we get it. We get it. Things are changing so rapidly, it takes your breath away. Your spiritual equilibrium is, is really under attack. But we need to know that um, Daniel knew that there was a great God. And that great God was living in him and through him. And no matter where he ended up in life, and he ended up in Babylon, 900 miles away from his family and home, that he would stay true in his faith to God. Because he recognized that God was working for his glory and for Daniel's good. God was working for God's glory and Daniel's good. Not for Daniel's comfort. Oh, friends, in America, we, we just, comfort has become a God to us. I don't want pain. I know, I get it. I go to the dentist and they, they deaden everything in my mouth. I don't like pain. <laughs> but we try to run from it. And um, many times what's good for us is not comfortable for us. We're experiencing that right now in our country, friends. So, where are you, God? Uh, looking at life is what we can see, and we, we've talked about 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18. The things we see now are here today, gone tomorrow, but the things we can't see now will last forever. That's heaven. It's going to last forever. And Psalm 31, 15, my future is in your hands. The psalmist recognized that, and you and I need to settle that, draw a line in the sand and say, Lord, my, my, my future is in your hands. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm trusting you. And it's going to turn out for your glory and honor and for my good. So, number one, intro, flares in the air. And we've, we've hit that one. You've seen the flares, haven't you? Have you seen them?
Last week, down in Orlando, Florida, there was the National Religious Broadcasters Convention. Dave Ogren, by the way, was down there with his team. And uh, the keynote speaker on Monday night was Franklin Graham. Franklin, by the way, is the son of Billy Graham. And he issued a major warning about persecution against Christians in America. There's the flare in the air. Now, we knew it before that, before Franklin didn't just, you know, boom, you need to know. No, we know that. This is a reminder. Graham warned the audience of Christian media organizations and ministry professionals to be prepared for the coming storm against Christians. We're seeing that happen. He said, I believe there is a coming storm that we all need to be ready for. The world has deteriorated so quickly. We cannot be deceived and we can't be fooled. We need to get ready and prepared. There's a flare in the air. God's trying to get our attention. During his speech, Graham encouraged the audience to stand firm on the gospel and refuse to compromise on the Bible's teaching. And um, Camus Bowen didn't compromise in Laos, you know, threatened with jail time, prison time, no. He said, we're living in a cancel culture that wants to destroy Christian organizations. They want to shut our mouths. They don't want to hear from us, Graham warned. Preach the gospel. Don't back up. Don't make excuses. We cannot back up. We cannot retreat. Don't apologize for the gospel. Just declare it. Just speak it. Present it. That's your responsibility and mine. You recall John 15, 18, where Jesus says, If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. Have you noticed that? Yeah. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. No surprise. Graham said, just don't sit there on your hands and let the storm hit. And then have this look on your face like, I didn't know that it was coming. I didn't see that coming. You better see it coming. The world hates us. And Jesus told us, the world hated me first, and they're going to hate you. If you stand for Christ, the world will hate you. Now, that's good news. It really is. Because for, for generations, even in America, we became very soft Christianity, we had it so easy that people just put it on cruise control and coasted because there was never any pushback for their faith. America was a good country, a moral country at one time. But right now, there is pushback, and that pushback, that resistance should make you stronger, make me stronger in my core. Right? If you notice with push-ups, the resistance... Makes you stronger. Right? Have you noticed that? The resistance against your muscles makes you stronger. The resistance against your faith will make you stronger if you don't compromise. Hey, you can talk to me this morning. Just a heads up. A flare in the air. It's, it, we can communicate back and forth here. God sent Jeremiah for 23 years and other prophets to send a, a flare to Israel to wake up, to put their trust back in the one true God, and they ignored him. 
they thought it would never happen. Number two, God did it. We just read that during King Jehoiakim's reign, King Nebuchadnezzar came. And verse two even says, the Lord gave this enemy king the victory over Israel. Crazy. But it was time for judgment. Three, surrounded by evil, the king ordered Ashman as the chief of staff to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family, and they did as captives. They were captives. They weren't free. They were prisoners, so to speak. And in that process, they were brainwashed. They were, they were offered a buffet in Babylon with the finest food in the world. They experienced identity theft. Their names were changed. Their culture changed. Everything changed around them. Which leads us to number four. You've got to have a core because these things are happening to you and me right now. They're happening to your children right now. You've got to have a core. In verse 8, Daniel was determined not to defile himself. That word determined means Daniel made up his mind. You and I have a responsibility to make up our minds. If you don't make up your mind, somebody else will for you. They will. They already have a plan for your life. You've got to make up your mind. And it's not, I'm going to make up my mind today and then that's it. No, you have to make up your mind every day. It's a daily process. I'm making up my mind to live for Jesus today. You've got to have a core. Daniel made up his mind not to defile himself. And what was that about? Well, they were pushing non-kosher food uh, on these Jewish teenagers. <laughs> you want to win a teenager's heart, man, just make a pizza, right? Put some pepperoni and mushrooms and everything else on there, man. Whew. Have we gone through pizzas in our house? How many pizza ovens? I don't know. We lost track. We just burned them out. God gave the Jews strict dietary laws to follow. And the reason being, no matter where they were in the world, God wanted the Jews to know that they were different from everybody else. They weren't freaks. No, no. God wanted them to know they weren't to eat like the rest of the world eats, as a reminder that God is their God. Mm hmm and the other reason was the Babylonians never trained the blood out of their meat. And that was part of God's plan in Leviticus 17 for the life of the bodies in the blood. And that's why I've said to the people of Israel, you must never eat or drink blood, neither you nor the foreigners living among you. See? That was a command from God. And third, the Babylonians would take their food and they would, they would offer it to the idols. They would ask the idols to bless their food before they ate it. Think about it. The Babylonians would take their food and put it on the altar for these phony baloney gods. And even as followers of Christ, we have the opportunity to ask God to bless our food before we eat it. Why? Because he's the one that provided it for us. It's him. It's him. So we pause to give him thanks for it. 
We're grateful to you, Lord. So Daniel passed the test with these different opportunities to compromise. And we saw that he had integrity, right? We did. We saw that. He was disciplined. I mean, not to be able to grab, go to that uh, Babylon buffet, not grab anything off the buffet. Come on. That's discipline, man. Third, courage. He was willing to stand alone. You've known that Sunday school song, Dare to be a Daniel, dare to stand alone, dare to have a purpose firm, dare to make him known. It's a little better than that, but that's it's coming off my memory. Dare to be a Daniel. He was courageous. He was, he was courageous. And... Um, a good verse, Exodus 23, 2, you must not follow the crowd in doing wrong. That's God's plan for, for you and I. You know, Barna, uh, they do a lot of research and they, they drill down into the Christian community in America. And um, they found that although 71% of American teens and adults have a positive opinion of Jesus, only 36 percent of non-Christians have a positive opinion of Christianity. Why do you think that is? You want to know why? You're not curious? Yeah, man, I like, tell me, tell me. It's because hypocrisy of religious people is the top reason people give for not embracing Christian teaching. It's a sad day in America, friends, because the church has failed modeling the true character of Jesus Christ. We think my feelings are more important than representing Christ, you know? If somebody takes advantage of me, I'm going to let them know, right? We've, we've let the world dictate how we respond when there's pushback against you. And so, um, there's glaring disparities, the researchers said, represent the hurdles the church needs to overcome, especially if sharing faith or welcoming people into churches is the goal. We endeavor that at Life Church, by the way, to welcome people, no matter where you are uh, in this road of life, if you're searching, if you're questioning. But we endeavor, we're not a perfect church, but we endeavor to model Christ well. The work of Christians is to embody Jesus full of truth and grace and reflect his image in all they say and do. They say and do. Your words back up your actions. David Kinneman from Barna said, the data shows they too often fall short. Researchers noted that the dichotomy between how people perceive Jesus versus how they view his followers and the institutional church has major implications for outreach and evangelism. In fact, that dichotomy may be the reason America is increasingly and swiftly becoming more post-Christian. 
despite the fact that the general population is indicating a warm and positive perception of Jesus. On the positive side, the findings about the spiritual openness of most Americans offers a tremendous opportunity for faith leaders, the researchers said. So, Daniel went into Babylon, and he didn't go in there thinking, man, I'm ticked off at God, and I'm going to let God know. And I'm going to eat that buffet. And I'm going to let them call me Belteshazzar. I'll show God. Did he do that? No. 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 You read through chapter, you don't get that at all. You don't get that at all. Daniel saw that God, God's hand was behind this whole thing. He had been trained as a young boy to trust the sovereignty of God, knowing that his life was in God's hands no matter where he was. And he could trust God. And so even though God allowed him to go to Babylon, he didn't poison Nebuchadnezzar's food. Nor did he protest and picket on Main Street. I'm a Jew and I'm supposed to eat kosher food. This isn't fair. He didn't do that. He modeled God well. We see he was a humble man. We see his humility in the way he approached asking for permission to change the diet instead of demanding what he wanted. And so we need to realize, friends, that we have a responsibility in our world today because I'll tell you something, people are hungry for truth. They are. When you start having a personal conversation with people one-on-one, -on -one, you find out they are searching and they're looking for answers. And so this is a great opportunity for you and I to take advantage of it. So how did Daniel, how was he trained back in Jerusalem to where he was able to model and, and remain strong in his walk with God. Well, we know that for you and I to do that well, we need to read the Bible daily, right? Wednesday, we, we learned Proverbs 31 challenge for 31 days. We're on chapter, Proverbs 4 today, by the way. Pretty cool, pretty cool. Getting God's word. If you want wisdom, that's a great book to, to invest in. We read the Bible daily. We realize we need to hear from God. And, um, and we need to pray daily. And I'll tell you, uh, you know, I've been a follower of Christ for a long time. And, and prayer um, was always a challenge. And... Um, until several years ago, I realized that I need, I need to walk and pray. That for me, that works, to walk and pray. And that really has been a, an asset for me with my prayer time with the Lord. We need to pray daily. And whatever works for you, find it and be consistent with it. 
Third, we need to tithe weekly. Oh, boy. This is Memorial Day weekend, man. You shouldn't talk about money. We're talking about money. Tithe weekly. What's that about? Because God owns everything. And tithing 10% simply is a reminder, just like God was using kosher food as a reminder that the Jews were different from everybody else in the world. They weren't better, but they were different because God wanted to use them to model him. Tithing simply is a reminder to say, God, I'm giving you 10% as a reminder that you own it all. You're letting me manage the other 90%. It's liberating. It really is. It's liberating. It's fun. It really is fun. Instead of hanging on to what you think is yours, you're presenting it with an open hand saying, God, it's all because of you. Yeah. And fellowship weekly. You come to church weekly, man. Not whenever you feel like it. Not whenever it works out for your schedule, man. You realize this is, these are desperate days and I need to be with God's people every single week and, if possible, in a life group and Wednesday night. You know? How about it? Daniel thrived. He didn't just survive. And if you want to thrive in this culture today like Daniel did in Babylon, these are just some simple tips along the way. Number five, God is active. We, we hit that God is active in Asia, in Laos. God is active all around the world. We see God is active. He's not, he's not retired. Um, reading books in heaven. No. Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is alive and active. See, that's the cool thing. God is active by reading his word. That activity sparks inside you by reading it. It's alive and active. Plus, you're creating ground for God to work in your life. He's active in your life. In John 5.17, I read this the other day, man, of just boom. I thought, this is cool. But Jesus replied, my father is always working, and so am I. Isn't that cool? My father's always working, and so am I. We could go plural, plural. We are working all the time. We work wherever there's opportunity. How is God active? Well, this is cool, friends. God gave, number one, God gave. Look at verses 2, 9, and 17. Let's see if we can figure this out. What did God give? Because we know God is active. God is working in Babylon. God is working in Laos. He's working in America. Verse 2, the Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. Let's look at verse 9. Now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. Verse 17, God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. Where do you see God active in chapter 1? It's in the verb, gave. 
God gave. So it's the same Hebrew word every time in chapter 1. It's pretty cool. It means to give, to make. So, quick review. Verse 2, the Lord gave him victory. The Lord gave Nebuchadnezzar victory. The Lord gave. Verse 9, now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection. Now, what does that mean? Respect and affection. That means God gave the chief of staff tenderness from the heart or compassion for Daniel. I remember specific jobs where I worked, and it was like God's favor with my boss. That's, that's really what it's saying here. God had given both respect and affection, the tenderness of heart. I had, uh, I was with Dave Ogren a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about this verse, and I said, Dave, that's you. When I was with John Erickson, it's the same thing. John Erickson and Dave Ogren, there's an, a, there's an affection, a tenderness of heart when we're together. Even when we're not together, there's a tenderness of heart. There's a, a camaraderie, see? It's not loopy. It's not, you know, weird. And that's where as men, you know, we, we cannot... I, I don't think we should let culture put space between us to be able to go up to a man and give him a bear hug. Huh? Come on. You give him a bear hug, man, right? And you smack him. You smack him. What? That's a sign of affection, man. You are my brother, and I appreciate you. I need you in my life. Nothing loopy about that. Right? You know, I, 1 Samuel 23, 16, uh, Jonathan, Jonathan and David, a great example. Jonathan went to find David and encouraged him to stay strong in his faith in God. We're going to get to this next verse in a minute, but how cool is that to have Jonathan, who really would have been in line to be the next king, he submitted himself to God's plan. He knew David would be the next king, but he encouraged him to stay strong in his faith with God. Do you know what Dave Ogren and John Erickson, these dudes that I'm just talking about, we encourage each other to stay strong in the faith. We talk about our faith. We put it on the table, man. In 1 Samuel 18, you see how this happens. Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as he loved himself. Nothing loopy here. It's just that there is a, a brotherly love, man, a, a compassion. A, man, I want to see you make it spiritually. Got it? That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. And friends, if, if Daniel went off the rails and he blew, a, blew his stack, you know, with the chief of staff, God was working in the chief of staff. He was. 
to give favor to Daniel. So many times we, we, we burn bridges in relationships because we don't get our way or the way we want it. Instead of trusting God working through those relationships. How many times have you seen, if you haven't burned those bridges, over time people come back and you get reconciled? Aren't you glad for that? Lord, thank you. God gave. God gave. And then the third one, verse 17, God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meaning of visions and dreams. God supercharged their intellect. He supercharged it. (laughs) How come he didn't do that for me when I was in school? I don't know. I don't know. It wasn't in his plan, man. I... I, I trust him, you know, but, but here in this situation, God used these men. And guess what? He didn't need artificial intelligence to do it. He didn't. It was God. It was God. You got it? It was from God. God impacted their lives and they thrived. They thrived. I don't know, again, I don't know where you are spiritually this morning. A lot of things have happened this past week, haven't they? But we need to decide, draw a line in the sand that I will live for Jesus Christ no matter what. I will no longer allow those who are searching for Jesus to be discouraged because of my inconsistency. And I'll tell you, mom and dad, it comes down to you. Listen, we're not perfect, but children today, you want to know why so many walk away from the faith? Because they don't see consistency in the home. You know, the words and the actions. It's not always that case, but it's a contributor. They have the free will to reject or respond to Christ. But you hear this talking with people that said, "My, my dad went to church and he was involved, but at home he was a different person. See? Inconsistency. So they walk away. They say it's not real. Friends, we need, Lord, I need you. I need your help. I need your wisdom. I don't know when you're coming back, but I want to I finish strong for you. These are all choices on the table, and it's up to you how you respond. Father, we thank you this morning. For your word. Oh, Lord, 
we want to thank you for your word and we want to thank you for the opportunity we have to talk to you and listen to you. We want to thank you, Lord, for the opportunities we can give you financially to ministry as a reminder that you own everything. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity we have to gather together today in this building, watching online, to fellowship, to hang out together, to encourage each other. Lord, we don't want just to become casualties on the sidelines of life. We want to thrive in this culture today. We want Jesus to model you well. So help us do that. Forgive us, Lord, if we have allowed compromise in our lives, if we've been inconsistent in our walk with you, if we've moved you off first place to third place, Lord, it's so easy to happen. There are flares being shot in the air, Lord. We know that. We see them. Help us not ignore them. Help us not to put our head in the sand, but help us to respond appropriately. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. No turning back. You might be here today and you've never put your faith in Christ, and man, we want to give you that opportunity. Sin came into this world all the way back in the garden. You tell one lie in your life, that one lie is enough to keep you out of heaven because God is perfect. How do you get to heaven? Jesus went to the cross. He paid for your sin debt, my sin debt in full, not partial, not on a payment plan, paid it in full. There's nothing you can ever do to earn your way into heaven. You simply put your trust in Jesus that he did for you what you couldn't do for yourself. He became your substitute, paying for your sin, shedding his blood, coming out of that grave on the third day. And so Jesus, I put my trust in you this morning. I recognize, Lord, that I'm a sinner and sin will keep me from your presence. And so when I put my faith in you, you forgive me. You promise to forgive my sins, Lord. And I believe you because you're not a liar. I'm inviting you to come to my life right here, right now, to become my spiritual leader, Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sin. Thank you for taking my place on the cross. Thank you. Thank you for paying my sin debt in full. I will live for you, Lord, through the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.